And welcome to this special late edition Stop the Presses episode of Let Me Tell You Something. Because if you'd listened to our previous episode for Misawa and Ogawa against Kabashi and Akiyama, we were telling you about how it was the final days of All Japan Pro Wrestling, which it still technically is as a part of the show. But we would have also said in a recent episode that we were never going to see another match involving Toshiaki Kawada again. And I think I mentioned in at least more one or more episodes that the Yuji Nagata, the great of the third division of New Japan, never got a five-star match. Well, I was wrong, wrong, wrongity wrong. I said it wrong, wrong, wrongity wrong. Because it was brought to our attention by one of our loyal, faithful listeners that there is a match between 1999, October of 1999, and March of 2003 that Dave Meltzer arguably did give five stars to. So the five-star Meltzer quest continues with myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my Let Me Tell You Something co-host. Simon Cross. So, Simon, you're going to get to see more... You're going to get to see some Nagata. You're going to get to see more Kawada. You're going to get to see some Takayuki Izuka, or Takashi Izuka. I can't remember which one of those two names he was using at this point. But what are you getting even more of, Simon? Oh, this, this, this is... Beautiful. I think this is this just must be one of the best days I think I've ever had ever in life because uh, I just get to watch more of Masanobu Fuji. That's right. He's gorgeous. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not. <laughs> it, uh, the, his, his, his unique level of shithousery is gorgeous, and ergo, by extension, he is. I look at just uh, beauty's not just skin deep, Lorcan. So this is a match that is very often not featured in the lists of the five-star Meltzer matches. And maybe there's legitimacy to that. We had to make a judgment call on this one, didn't we, Si? We did. I basically forwarded you the two um, Observer, Wrestling Observer snippets that came with differing information. The first was from January the 1st uh, edition. And this is from the... Because it was an event on the 14th of December... And as I'd said before, All Japan had suddenly had to break its isolationist policy that it had had for years because of the mass exodus of All Japan talent, leaving only uh, basically Kawada and Fushi. Actually, I, I, I was meaning to get this up, so I'll do that whilst I'm reading this as well. Um, so this was what Dave Meltzer said about this match, Izuka and um, Nagata against Kawada and Fushi. On the 1st of January 2001 edition of uh, the Wrestling Observer. Regarding the show itself, as of press time, I've seen about half the show. The other half could be horrible and it would still be a strong contender for best show of the year. Izuka and Nagata versus Kawada and Fushi was a textbook study in psychology, building a match, selling holds and drawing heat. It was by the time it was over the most intensely heated match I've seen all year and a strong candidate for next year's Match of the Year awards, and definite five stars. That's what he wrote I mean, on the 1st of October. On the pretty of damn conclusive. Yes. On the 8th of January one, he wrote, uh, 
Izuka and Fushi did a lot of solid map work. Nothing flashy, but everything believable. And then set up hot spots with Nagata and Kawada, who were off the page. The last 11 minutes of this match, even with Fushi and Izuka, was... I'm sure you didn't like that little dig there, did you? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not care for that. Um, was the in-ring highlight of the year, with crowd heat that was probably only matched by that 10-man tag in Dallas when the Radicals had their first main events. This is one of those matches that every aspiring wrestler should look at because of how they built the heat, told the story, paced the match, and ended strong. And he ended it with four stars. Uh, So was that four stars a typo, which is what we're running on as an assumption at this point? Well, I went to um, the grand source of all uh, true information. Uh, Wikipedia mm-hmm. and <laughs> Wikipedia did list this match as a five star match, citing uh, the 1st of Jan episode 2001 edition as a source. So, and the, and if if you go back to the bit that you just read out, it said, oh, What was the bit with it compared to the radicals? Um, with crowd heat, that was probably only matched by that 10 man tag in Dallas. So, he's saying it's almost unrivaled. It, it's reading like he's giving it five stars. Although he didn't give that match five stars. No. However, he did give it a week ago. So I, I, I'm, I'm firmly of the mindset that this is a five star match that he, that he gave. Basically, if I denied you a chance to watch some more Masanobu Fushi, I think the show had been over anyway. You're gonna <laughs> fucked off, is what you're gonna do. So I just want to show you the state of all Japan at this point, going in. On the 9th of June 2000, it was the final show before the Noah Exodus. And this is the card from uh, start to finish. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanimaru against Kenta Kobayashi, later to be known as Kenta. So two top, uh, you know, the top young stars would then become two of the perennial talents in the junior division of Noah. And ultimately, in, in Kenta's case, become top line stars. Then we had the comedy six-man tag team match, including all the old-timers who can't quite go anymore, and maybe a couple of other people who have nothing to do on the card. And that was Makoto Hashi, Mitsuo Momota, who uh, I believe is the son of Ricky Dozan, or the nephew, one of the two, and Russia Kimura against Haruka Egan, Soyoshi Kikuchi, and Masanobu Fushi. Because that's what Fushi was doing at this point. He was doing the lower card stuff. He wasn't the ace of the junior division as light as that always was in all Japan. He was doing these comedy six-man tags. Then you have a tag team match involving George Hines and Johnny Smith against Daisuke Ikeda and Naomichi Marafuji. Another young star that would then go on to be a top... Really the ace, the, the, the closest thing Noah had to a, a Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, within their own promotion. Then Stan Hansen facing Takeshi Morishima, another guy that would very soon become a big star in Noah and one of the guys that they really wanted to make their, their equivalent of the, the, the heavyweight stars and had a great run with Ring of Honor as well. Then a tag team match involving Masao Inoue and Takeshi Rikiko, uh, Takeshi Rikio, Rikio being the guy that ended up winning the GHC title off of Ken Takabashi. So another guy they obviously had big dreams with, but again, left the promotion. Against Dr. Death Steve Williams and Eric Watts, Ah. Uh, well, you can't win them all. Then it was the All Japan Tag Team Championship tournaments, uh, semi-finals, and then it was main evented by the final. 
the first semi-final involving the Holy Demon Army, Tawei and Kawada against Johnny Ace and Mike Barton. And then in the other semi-final, it was Mitsuharu Masao and Yoshinari Ogawa against the hot young team of uh, Wild, or Team Wild, or something like that they were called, Takeo Amori, who we saw briefly in some other clips in the past, and Yoshihiro Takeyama, who was about to become a big cult star. Again, all four of those people moving to uh, Noah. And then there was a tag team match involving Junakiyama and Manokiya Mossman against Kent Kabashi and Kentaro Shiga. Uh, Mossman is one of the only stars that did stay with All Japan. He would eventually rename himself Taiyo Kia. Um, but yeah. And so that was it. The main event was... So all these stars, Misawa, Kabashi, Takayama, Ogawa, Omori, Akiyama, Kabashi. I've repeated myself a bit. Hansen. This is the next show. Five match card. Two, uh, three singles matches. Two tag team matches. Kamala against Scorpio. Ugh. Manukia Mossman. Uh, Maunakia Mossman against Yuto Ajima. They brought in Jinsei Shinzeki to team with Johnny Smith against Shigeo Okumura and Yoshiaki Fujiwara, another old guy. They were able to hold on to some of the gaijin, so Steve Williams tagged with Wolf Hawkfield to wrestle Mike Barton, a.k.a. Bart Gunn, the guy who knocked out Steve Williams, ah, right. and George Hines, and it was main evented by Kawada against Fushi. So Fushi had gone from a couple of weeks earlier being in his sort of semi-retirement role, comedy matches, all that sort of stuff, to having to go face-to-face with Toshiaki Kawada. And that was, what, two weeks apart, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Ah, Jesus. That's how brutal... You know, that was a card with, what, four, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen wrestlers. And that was including people they had to bring in on loans and gaijin talent. They couldn't fill out a rugby union team. No. That's just mad. Is that just you? I can't think of a situation like there's nothing akin to that ever, like in we- like I can think of in Western wrestling. And if the even if it did happen in this day and age, it's just difficult to see how anyone would be able to recover from that from a creative standpoint. Even what would you do? Like it, it's it it's you wouldn't wish that on anyone in in terms of uh, the wrestling industry. No, uh, there hasn't been anything... Well, there have been embarrassing situations that have left a promotion reeling. Uh, obviously, WWF were reeling after the Chris Benoit situation. But that didn't yeah. lose, they didn't lose all their talents. Um, you, you had... Uh, when Ring of Honor had the Rob Feinstein scandal. And that also started to lose them talent over time as TNA wouldn't allow... Uh, contracted talent to work for Ring of Honor as well, so they lost guys like AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and, and the like. Um, that got that that got cleaned up a bit later. So that was, but you know, to escape, you know, they're not the ones doing the Budokan, which is what they've yeah. been at the previous show. And you would assume they probably had the Budokan Hall booked for the next event. No, yeah, they had it lined up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so they would have probably sold a number of tickets before then. And so, yeah, so that means that at this point in 2000, the whole weight of the promotion is basically on the shoulders of one guy, 
the one guy who stayed, Kawada, and a 47-year-old man who is a junior heavyweight, lifelong, at yeah. best. Was never was never positioned as a main event talent, but was always given a lot of respect and and positioning and love and was always yeah. portrayed well, but was never going to be winning the Triple Crown, never challenged for the Triple Crown. I don't think he challenged for the World Tag Team titles. Just been slingshotted straight to the top in terms of position but had no build to get there so yeah it would be like suddenly asking um it would be something like asking matt hardy to be main eventing wrestlemania yeah or something like that you know because suddenly everyone decided to walk out on mass and join aew or something like that <laughs> and it's like matt hardy against seth rollins and that's pretty much the whole promotion at that point yeah won't be mad at it, but so obviously, you know. this, like I said, this forced all Japan to drop their isolationist policy and go to New Japan to look to do into promotional work. Now, New Japan have a history of working with other promotions, uh, especially WAR, Genichiro Tenru. They'd had some successful work with them. Uh, Michinoku Pro, they've done some great stuff in the junior heavyweight division with them as well. FMW, they've done some stuff with, although not really with uh, Atsushi Onita, until Onita became an independent contractor. But maybe the most famous instance you would think of is when they took on the UWFI in the feud that was the inspiration for the NWO. And they were pretty brutal with UWFI. They did not give them many wins. Their guys were treated like shit. And by the end of it, New Japan was clearly superior. They gave Takada, they gave Takada the top guy. He did win the IWGP title, but he had to lose first and then win. And then he lost decisively to Shinya Hashimoto. Um, but they sold out the dome like three times in in like six months or something crazy like that. So, so it's more Japan like. Tried, but then UWFI were gone after that feud was over. Then they tried to wheeze on a bit longer. They did a brief thing with WAR after that, but didn't draw any kind of money. And they were dead. War, you know, they were dead by a year's time. So all Japan essentially throwing themselves to the lions in this situation, hoping that they can survive off of the scraps. So yeah. New Japan know it's in their interest to build up all Japan, but it's essentially Kawada. That's what's happening. Is Kawada's taking on their top stars. Yeah, and the first interpromotional match that had happened a few months earlier at the Tokyo Dome had been Kawada facing off against the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kensuke Sasuke, and Kawada won, but it wasn't for the title. Oh, okay. So Kawada didn't become champion, but Sasuke did immediately vacate the title because he thought he brought shame to the promotion by losing to the invading army. That's that's cool. You don't see a lot of that. That's a very Japanese thing to do. <laughs> yes. He didn't stab himself with a sword afterwards, fortunately, <laughs> but it was the wrestling equivalent of doing so. So the story then is that there's going to be a big tournament at the next, essentially the January the 4th show a month, in a month's time. So Kawada has already um, beaten their top guy. So it's an interesting setup, and there's politics in the choice of teams, really. Because it's Kawada and Fushi, New Japan, it's not really in their interests if they're going to have them have a competitive match for them to send out their top two biggest stars. 
Yeah. Like Sasuke or a Chono or well Hashimoto's not with them at this point. And Muto's in a weird situation. Um but like like who look at who's in the corner is guys like Liger, Sasuke, um um Manabu Nakanishi. All top stars, but they went with Izuka to tag with Nagata. Now Nagata's about to become a big star, but he's not quite there yet. He's come back from his learning excursion in WCW in 98. And in 99, he's getting up there. But he hasn't yet won a G1. He hasn't won an IWGP heavyweight title. Mm. He wrestled Scott Norton for the vacant belts uh, back in 90, late 98. So he's sort of like... I'm trying to think of an equivalent of someone now. But there's no one really in New Japan that's just waiting for the trigger to be pulled on them. Except maybe Evil. Evil will probably be the closest thing to that now. Okay. A guy that's a native homegrown talent that's not yet been put onto the top spots. Yeah. But he's going to eventually, probably. Yeah, you sort of get that from the crowd reaction there. They're really into him. He he is like the the, the captain of the New Japan team in this scenario. Yeah. Well, he's seen as the, the top guy of the third generation at this point. And when he does finally get the... He gets a big G1 Climax win the next year in 2001 over Kijimuto. Uh, he also, and then he finally wins the IWGP title in 2003. Though he should have won it earlier. Or was it 2002? Yeah, sorry, it was 2002. But for Inoki and deciding, you know what I'll do with my guy Nagata? I'll put him in an MMA fight with Mirko Krokop. Oh, oh Jesus anything God! No. Bad go- oh God! Something very bad happens. Okay, I've learnt my lesson. What are you going to do this time? I'm going to put Yuji Nagata in an MMA fight against Fedor Emelianenko. I'm sure it's going to. Oh, it's even worse. <laughs> what? Why did he hate Nagata? <laughs> There's no reason you do that to someone who isn't an who isn't an MMA fighter unless you hate them. They went by the logic Nagata was actually genuinely an Olympic quality amateur wrestler, and so he should be fine. That's fine. That's eight. That's one discipline. <laughs> it's not. What's he going to do when he gets punched in the mouth by Mirko Krokop? Well, he got. He just got the kick to the head. He was one of the first guys to really get kicked in the head by Krokop, and it'd be a big deal. Just what? I, I... That is baffling. <laughs> just... Now Izuka. Is a very different case. Different kettle of fish entirely. He had never risen above mid-card. Even though he looks like a young lion. And in some ways he almost seems like he's been treated like a young lion in this match. Yeah. He's like 12 years into his career at this point. But he enters a grand total of four G1 climaxes in in his entire career. Uh, the only one he does any well in is actually the 2001, but that was when it was like one of the biggest ones they'd ever had. They split it up into four groups of five when usually it was like two groups of ten. He had he, he was put in the 93, the 94, then the 2000, and then again in 2008, I think. Oh, okay. So he's, he's just a plug-in bloke, the guy that really. You, the closest equivalent to him now in New Japan is someone like a Yujiro Takahashi. It's just around. Just around, just... not even going to be booked in all the shows. He had his one shot. He did get one IWGP heavyweight title shot around this sort of time. He had a couple of tag team runs. He formed a popular team with Hiroyoshi Tenzan in the mid-noughts. That then he turned heel on Tenzan and then reinvented himself for the last 10 years of his career as this like mad dog character that was like genuinely didn't 
sort of like a, an animal character. He just completely lost his mind. He right. Had the, he had the. Do you see Taichi now uses these iron fingers claw? That was that was his weapon of choice until he retired at the early this year, okay. last year, and then Taichi's inherited that weapon because he was part of Suzuki Goon during yeah. this whole time. I uh, would a Western equivalent be early Mankind in terms of like how he behaves. Doesn't like the character is, but he was never going to be doing well in, in actual wrestling matches. No, yeah. it's more kind of like um, I don't know. It's almost like Abdullah the Butchery in a way. In that George the Animal Steel. Yeah, George the Animal Steel is probably the best example of that, yeah. But not comedy, George the Animal Steel. No. Well, he was kind of comical, but like he was not meant to be, you know. Like, basically, he wasn't... He wasn't... <laughs> he, that's not where he was basically, aiming. Basically, there are two matches of Izuka's career that are worth any kind of uh, note or memory. This one, and he also had a tag team match on a WCW pay-per-view in 92. I think it was Beach Blast, where he and Tatsumi Fujinami challenged the Steiner brothers... And Izuka did something to piss them off. Because it's one of the worst shit kickings you've ever seen oh, in a worked God. wrestling match. Of all the people oh. to piss off, early 90s Scott and Rick Steiner are not. Yeah, that, that that is almost akin to being in the ring with Mirko Krokop. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Except it was almost self-inflicted. So... That's worth a watch. So we never, you know, it wasn't a bad hand. You know, like if you if you graduate the New Japan Dojo, it's almost impossible for you to be a bad wrestler. Yeah. But it's like, or like actually, actually, the perfect example now is like Yoshihashi. Except it's not even an, you know, yeah, Yoshihashi or Yujiro Takahashi. That's basically what Izuka is. And that story plays into this match because it almost seems like the event, the stature of the event, is almost too much for Izuka and Fushi. Like, they both struggle, especially towards the end. Not in the way that they're working, just in the way that they're being presented. Mm. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah, well, it, there is... I they're, they're, not, they're not a match for... Like, Fushi's not a match for Nagata, <clears throat> and Izuka's not a match for Kawada. Yeah, I did notice that. Um, it does seem a very much like... You've got your regular weapon. It's like your regular finisher and your murder-death-kill finisher. And Kawada and Nagata are the murder-death-kill finishers to the weaker guy. Yeah, you're never going to need to use the burning hammer to finish off Izuka. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I don't like the way they dress the same. Like, I, I don't like two people wearing just plain black trunks in the ring either that that annoyed me a bit well that leads that's just based on the culture of its period fushi came from the time of utter no nonsense everyone wore black trunks black boots and all that sort yeah of stuff. and izuka i don't know why it was like that maybe he was still maybe it was some sort of young lion thing sometimes sometimes them wearing basic trunks and using stuff like that is actually like a symbolic statement that they're making that they are no nonsense and look if you have a problem with that then you've got a problem with stone cold steve austin well, not in Japanese wrestling, I don't. But but yeah, what happened was always about the simplistic color schemes. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not having a go at the All Japan guy. Sounds like you're having a go at the All Japan guy. What's I would never have Fushi? an all go. I would never have a problem with Fushi. And to get into the in-ring action straight off the bat is a little bit of shithousery. Well, he does when some it, of the classic stuff. Yeah. Oh, when he just starts whinging at the ref for being pushed, mm. I love it. Well, it works as well because Kawada and Fushi do take on the role of the heel tag team. Yeah. And they do beat up on... And it, it reminds you of like those All Japan six-man tags because...
They beat on Izuka for an extended period of time. Fushi does some of his greatest hits, you know, stepping on his face, uh, putting him in the corner on the second rope and then just standing on top of him. I did uh, love that. Taunting the crowd, taunting Nagata, and also Kawada just occasionally going over to Nagata in Nagata's corner and beating the shit out of him as well. Yeah, just not to like intercept him even, it's just at random points we just run over and kick him. Yeah. Um, but that's the case is like it's it's really it's it's a clear two you know two sides of the battle really you've got the Izuka Fushi battle and then you've got the Nagata Kawada battle and so Izuki yeah. and Fushi are the ones that started off uh, they work pretty basic stuff on the mats um, and then it's kind of the starters before the main course and so when Nagata gets tagged in and he nails Fushi with a kick that really shocks Fushi, and Fushi's like, a lot of Fushi's face is like, I'm too old for this shit. Why am I here? <laughs> he's a very, he's the Danny Glover of this wrestling match, <laughs> and so he kind of has to tag Kawada in because he doesn't want to be in the ring. He don't with fancy it. Nagata's kicks, and uh, again, they sort of they they know each other's strengths, so they're cagey. But then at moments, it just degenerates into a wild brawl of kicks and boots, and again. Yeah. You know, Kawada is not a man with a great deal of variety in his movesets. He kicks no. you, he chops you, he punches you, he boots you, and then occasionally he power bombs you. And that's yeah, you're right. That is pretty much it. And like you, Nagata, also he's he's a bit kicky, isn't he? He's he's quite yeah. kick based. Yeah, yeah. Nagata was also very strike focused. Always was. Strikes and submissions were Nagata's bag. He would have probably been the one that was most would have been most comfortable. Um... Although then again, like I said, the, the, the strike exchanges in New, in all Japan were, were usually more like forearms and and um, t- elbows. To an extent boots with with Kawada, yeah. but it was mostly forearms and elbows. Whereas in New Japan, again, because it was down to a more of a martial arts uh, realism. They were more about kicking strikes. That's what Hashimoto was all about. That was what Nagata was all about. Mm. And also power with lariats and, and the like coming from sort of the Choshu school that guys like Sasuke and um, Nakanishi inherited. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, then, so Izuka gets targeted for a very long period of time and they also take out Nagata to the point that when Nagata does finally get the hot tag, he doesn't actually look like he's in that greater shape. Yeah, you're expecting him to kind of go like a house on fire, and it doesn't really happen. He's sort of selling and on the go, isn't he? On the yeah, move. like like when like they give the impression that Kawada's concussed Nagata. Uh, I think at one point Nagata goes comes in and kicks uh, one of the one of the opponents to to get rid of a submission hole, but then he sort of stumbles to get back to his own corner. Like, yeah, really selling like the effects of a concussion. So it doesn't really give you a lot of hope. So it's it's very much about building the hope. And, and like I said, that's why you needed an Izuka. Because it was very believable that Fushi, in particular, can take it to Izuka. Whereas it might have been less believable for a Nakanishi. Or, more, or less acceptable on a political level. Yes. For someone like Nakanishi to take a beating from Fushi. Which is, as you say, yeah, the politics always factors in, in like into promotional booking, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Mm. But yeah, and, and the key part of this as well is they're going after Izuka's knee. And... Fushi, he knows how to work a knee, doesn't he? Oh, I just love him. I just love him. <laughs> yeah, like, Is Fushi I... your favourite wrestler? 
he's uh, I guess because I've watched so much of like 20 like like 2018 2019 wrestling and these and wrestling and heel work these days is like like cheating heel work is quite rare these days it's usually i'm the guy with the edgy opinion that's going to do the cool moves Mm. it's just nice to see a proper scumbag heel but he's not even like it's but it's cheating insofar as it's it's the bending of the rules he's doing everything that he does he can basically do in front of a referee and the referee won't necessarily disqualify him yeah the referee will start i was very annoyed recently watching like a g1 match uh where i think it was john moxley just flat out used a chair in front of the ref and it was like the ref was like now come on (laughs) and you gotta work it you either you either distract the ref Unfortunately, that now usually means a ref bump. Or you work within the confines. You're more subtle about it. You're just a bit of a dick. Yeah. Which is what Fushi was so good at. It's the facial expressions as well. It's one thing doing that bending the rules stuff, but how you make it look is pretty much everything in terms because, of how how you convey it. Because he presents himself as an honourable, no-nonsense, sensible haircut, sensible attire... Um, respectful wrestler and then when he finds the opening to just be a complete prick he'll do it yeah it's be- oh, it's- I'm telling you I, like, do think he- he's, I do think he's a, like I would love for a lot of wrestlers especially like shorter wrestlers who want to work heel they can watch Fushi and you can yeah. see how he can you know Daniel Bryan's quite a lot like Fushi when he works heel I'll be curious to see if Brian watches much of him. I'm sure he's watched a lot of him, but whether he's like specifically, yeah. well, yeah, just things like I have till five. You can imagine Fushi being like that. Yeah, and you do hear people do shout "I have till five that aren't executing like these moves so well. Again, it's not it's not the words; it's how you say them and how you convey them. And I, I, he nails it. He just nails that he that role so well. Mm. So yeah, when when Nagata tags in, um, oh yeah, Fushi stands on his face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Yuji Nagata's still dazed. Uh, Fushi hits a backdrop suplex for a two for a long two count. Um, Izuka reverses a vertical suplex, uh, but Fushi pulls back to prevent the hot tag. So there's like classic Southern tag team wrestling even in there. Yeah. Um, the key thing that Azuka always loves going for is the sleep hold. Even like in his like hope spots when he's fighting off both men. Yeah. Think of all the moves to go for when you need to tag out desperately, you go for a sleeper. But later on in the match, it does prove very effective. So I mm. guess maybe that was one of his finishes. Uh, so, so yeah. Well, that's the thing. He does a sleeper to Fushi. Um, and... Kawada boots him so hard that I think both of them go outside the ring. Yeah. So Kawada goes outside the ring to check on Fushi. And in that time, Izuka goes in and tags in Nagata. And that was so surprising to me because you think the way to work it has always been to to, to to have it, you know, the hot tag. They immediately are a house on fire and beating up people. And like Kawada and, Kawada and Fushi had done so well isolating Izuka. Why would they suddenly leave him? Mm. To tag to get the tag that was 
I'm not saying it was bad psychology, but it did confuse me a little bit. I think he's making Nag- Nagata look strong because when he turns around and he's just screaming at Kawada to get in the ring, yeah, it's a very that striking is, that is image. A very effective moment. Also, kind of reminiscent of the moment in the '94 Masawa match where I can't. I think it's Kawada on the outside and, Fu- and Masawa's like, "Come on, let's finish this" or something like that. Well, I don't even even says it. It's just kind of there in the eyes. Yeah. And so this is, again, where you get lots of strikes, elbow exchanges, Kawada hits a boot and a lariat. So, you know, Nagata's not wiping out everyone immediately. And then it's kicks to the legs. Uh, Nagata blocks a backdrop suplex, so Kawada hits him with three enziguris and a German suplex for a two count. And then Nagata goes for the knee. And what do we know about Kawada? His knee He's got is bad pretty knees. much knackered, yeah. And the crowd goes crazy for that, so they know. And it's funny as well because Kawada's essentially in a in an away in an away territory, and sometimes the New Japan fans won't watch All Japan that much, or vice versa, um, or at the very least they will support their home fat home team. Yeah. Um. So again, that's why the funny the funny like interpromotional thing that we saw in like the Ricky Choshu, uh, Yoshiaki Yatsu against Saruta Tenru match. I guess this is a of a piece of that, but again, it's not... That was, like, the top two guys on each side, whereas, like I said, this is, like, number one and new, unfortunate, unexpected number two. Yeah. <laughs> of one promotion against, like, number four and number 12 of the other promotion. But when Fushi comes back in, he is fucked. He really doesn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> There's a bit just before uh, Fushi tags him, which really like sums that up. It's when Nagata's got that leg lock in, and Fushi goes to like break it up, hits one stomp, and the stomp's just so ineffective that Nagata doesn't let go. Yeah. So Fushi sort of rocks back, and is like, oh, God, it's got to come back in yeah. and hit him again. I also forgot to say uh, Kawada doing the stretch plum on uh, Nagata gets a huge response, his yeah. trademark submission hold. Um, so yeah, so, um, so Kawada pulls him back into the middle of the ring and, and reapplies the hold, and Izuka finally breaks up, and the crowd's going apeshit at this point, like Meltzer said, they really built the crowd up to a crescendo. Nagata tries to block the, the, um, pile driver, so Kawada just starts kicking him in the head, and he gives Izuka a boot to match, so that takes Izuka out. So this is where I say, like, he goes for the powerbomb, and he actually gets him into the pile driver position. Yeah. And Nagata's legs flail so much, they hit Kawada in the head that dazes him. And then Nagata goes straight for the legs, and Kawada's knees are fucked. And so Nagata puts him in his Nagata lock, which is like um, a variant of a figure four leg lock. Yeah, I nearly wrote figure four, but it didn't it's look quite right. not quite. It is a figure four, but not the figure four. Yeah. Um, it's kind of halfway between a figure four and a scorpion deathlock, I think. Mm. It's, I, it, it, I don't even remember. Shawn Michaels invented a variant of the figure four as well. I think it might be quite along those lines too. It's very weird as well to see a guy get turned over onto his stomach with something that very much looks like a figure four and not dive screaming in pain. Mm. That, that threw me a little bit. Yeah, so like you say, Fushi really struggles to get back into the match. Like, that sleeper and the fall, again, sort of selling a concussion, I think. Or just being half-dazed and and tries to punch Nagata and can't get him to escape. So what does he do? He steps on his face. It's beautiful. (laughs) 
So Izuka tags in, and really it is a case that Izuka and Fushi are in trouble now. Um, but he, uh, then there's a battle of the leg kicks, which Izuka wins. Uh, hits a suplex and, a, and a, his own version of a leg lock on Kawada. So Kawada's in big, big trouble. And Nagata stops Fushi with what are one of my favorite spots in all of wrestling, the double submission spot. submission spot. spot. You, are, you do have a soft spot for that, though. Well, it's just it's so logical. How do you stop it? How do you make a submission work in a tag team match where the partner could break it up? You put you get him in, in the submission hold so yeah. they can't get to them. So then it's a tension of will that person tap out? Will the other guy be able to escape in time? It's just a brilliant way of doing it, I think. Mm. I'm surprised it took so long for WWE to start doing that spot. Yeah. And they don't even do it that often. No, but... Um, the, now, I think the moment that speaks to me, um, jumps out in my head, rather, is the DIY and Revival one. Mm. That's a beautiful double yeah, submission yeah. moment. So... Like, both Kawada and Fushi are in trouble now because Fushi was in a submission hold for so long as well, and Nagata's submission hold, that his knees are gone too. Uh, and Kawada is really... Like, three of these guys now are out of it on their legs, and the other one's suffering from a concussion as well. At least in the in the match story. In the story, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but Kawada's able to block a German suplex and hits an Enziguri. Fushi tags in, but he's, he's stumbling to get in. Him and Izuka are kind of like both troubled and that's where fushi hits one of his best moves which is that targeted drop kick to the knee i love that he executes that brilliantly hits a backdrop does what i wrote as his old man struts <laughs> and hits a second backdrop suplex for a long two counts and then we get another double submission spot but it's the all japan guys that have it on um Izuka's able to reach the rope, so Fushi snapmares him and reapplies the hold. Fushi, uh, Izuka hits the ropes again. Izuka and Fushi collide, and they tag in Kawada and Nagata, and it is a kickathon and a slapathon. Did you see the clouds of sweat? Oh, Kawada is a clammy man. I love Nagata him. Nagata but... is the same. Yeah. Like, it's, the... it's just the surface war. It's like when it's raining and you strike a golf ball. It just spits it everywhere. It's beautiful. Yeah. So they're trading forearm boots. Nagata catches Kawada in an arm breaker. Fushi comes in to stop it by stepping on his face. And Izuka comes in and he and Fushi start brawling and the time limit expires. Okay. I'm slightly lost in translation. I thought it was just a double DQ, but that no, really no, makes sense. No, no, it was a minute time limit. Okay. It's, it's a really... It's a shame, really, there wasn't a clean winner, but I, considering it's interpromotional... Again, the politics of it. Yeah. They, they wanted Kawada to be undefeated going into the Wrestle Kingdom match, but obviously they didn't want him to claim a big scalp, necessarily. And they could have had him pin Izuka, but maybe yeah. there's also, again, the politics of can New Japan afford to lose twice, you know? Yeah. No, no, it makes perfect sense. Um, you could have had Fushi lose, but then Kawada still looks a bit inept as a result. It's, it's, it's always a tough pickle when you've got like an interpromotional situation. Like, there's no two ways about it. And also, there's also politics in it because Fushi and Kawada had teamed up for the world, the, the real world tag league before then, mm. um, and had lost in the final uh, just before this started to uh, Mike Rotundo and Steve Williams. 
Okay, so you can't exactly have the effectively the second best team in your top competition lose to people who aren't the elite in uh, New Japan. Yeah, and also obviously they were losing in that to try and desperately build some stars. They needed stars in all Japan, like, and so that Fushi was having to be treated a lot better. Um, they really had to push. They pushed Taiokia, Manokia Mossman, really hard in 2001 they put him in an interpromotional faction with Kijimuto, Jinsei Shinzeiki, Don Fry and Hiroshi Hase and 2001 was really the year of Muto and he went to all Japan and worked there a lot in 2001 um Kawada had to spend some of that year out with injury I believe um, so Kawada goes into the Wrestle Kingdom event he gets a bye to the semi-finals of the IWGP Heavyweight Tournament. And he beats Hiroshi Tenzan. And then goes into the final and loses to Kensuke Sasuke. Sasuke gets his redemption. Yeah, and he also had to wrestle three matches in order to get to that point as well. Compared to Kawada's... Kawada's one. One. So again, you're playing the politics. I'm just looking at more promotional matches that he does for New Japan... The next big promotional match he does is a tag team match, a six-man tag team match with Fushi and Nobutaka Araya against Nagata, Izuka, and Nakanishi. And Nakanishi, Nagata, and Izuka win that match. Okay, so that, this is New Japan starting to get their wins, basically. Yeah, basically. Then in two, then in April, Fushi and Kawada face Riki Choshu and Shiro Koshinaka. And again, Choshu and Koshinaka win that match. Uh, Kijimuto comes into All Japan in April and beats Toshiaki Kawada. Then Kawada beats Kojima in uh, a New Japan, All Japan interpromotional show. In New, again, New Japan hosts that. Uh, Fushi beats El Samurai in that card as well. Actually, they have All Japan win four of the five matches that they have in that interpromotional match. So, you know... Okay. So they're still, you know, it's trying to work it so that it just about makes sense. And again, losing to El Samurai, no big deal. It's Liger. That's the question. Yeah. Actually, that's a thought. We should look up to see if Fushi does wrestle Liger during this period. Because uh, we were saying how much of a shame it was that he didn't get to be part of that 90s J Crown era of New Japan Ed, yes. wrestling. Because that was sort of Fushi's problem. He, he was a. For want of a better term, an all Japan, a New Japan wrestler in an All Japan world. No, 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 no. He wasn't a New Japan star wrestler. He wrestled that All Japan Kings Road style. Uh, I'm, no, I meant in terms of um, the focus was more on the junior heavyweights in New Japan, and yeah, maybe yeah. he would have had more of a that. yeah. Poor analogy, but you get my point. They did actually. All, uh, Jushin Liger did come to All Japan in January of 2001 and face Fushi and win. That was at the Tokyo Dome as well. That wouldn't be, that's a match I wouldn't mind seeking out, actually, if it's somewhere around there. Yeah, it might be good viewing. So, yeah. And to do with Fushi's good viewing, what am I saying? So, we got uh, an extra bit of unexpected happiness with some more Kawada and some more Fushi, and we got a little bit of Nagata as well, which I thought we would unfortunately not get to experience. So, Simon, are you happy that this has happened, and would you give this match five stars? I am very happy that this has happened. However, I would not give this match five stars. I think I it's very five stars either. I think it's very good. Um, Again, our usual disclaimer. Our usual <laughs> disclaimer. But it's just not quite 
it didn't quite sweep me along, which is like my always default position. But you know what I mean? Just like that little bit of X factor. Do you think it was? Do you think Izuka was a, a hindrance to it? I didn't like his sleep. Like the fact he went to sleep is at like hot moments. Mm. Um, and obviously you've highlighted that point earlier. That jarred a little. Um, I don't want to like start being too nitpicky, which is a previous uh, criticism you've had of me. But that, if you're doing something, if you're building to something, I, I don't care if it is one of your finishes. Just don't use that. Use mm. something else. Keep the flow going. If you're changing gears, if you're literally switching gears, don't stall the engine. It just seemed like a strange move to do in that moment. But again, maybe it was playing up Izuka's l- lower status, lack of experience. In it. I don't know. I don't know. That's probably reading too much into it. Um, I thought it told a great story. I thought Nagata and Kawada played their roles brilliantly. I thought Fushi was excellent, even if he was obviously, you know, not out of his depth, but suddenly being put into a situation that he obviously had never expected to happen again in his career. True. And I think he stepped up to it admirably. But, you know, uh, it's different doing it in a tag team environment as opposed to in a six-man environment and the like. Oh, yeah. When you're doing it, you've also got Saruta and Tawai backing you up and you're against Kawada, Misawa and... Kabashi. And Kabashi. Yeah. Um, you can kind of play it up. And, and But I thought he did the, the inter-promotional element of it was a lot of fun. It's, it's a really good match to check out. Um... And I'm glad we got to do it, but I wouldn't be giving it five stars either. <clears throat> but anyway, we are going to be in our next episode where we said we were going to be at the end of our previous episode. Because instead of it being a four-year gap between a five-star match, it was only a three-year gap between a five-star match. Or, or more precisely, two and a half, two and a quarter years. Way December of 2000, and now we're going to March of 2003. As I'd said before, Misawa faces Kabashi. But before then... We have our debrief, uh, but please take into account that in that debrief we ha- oh no sorry I got that the wrong way around. We are going to air the Masawa Kabashi match and then we're going to show the debrief. Uh, my apologies because when we recorded the debrief we thought the Masawa Kabashi match was match seventy. So yeah, I got there eventually. Um, it all makes sense. It will all make sense, but it'll be interesting for you to hear our voices in the time and place. We've, we've jumped ahead of ourselves in the in the time stream, Simon. <laughs> so there's causal loops all over the place, and people are wondering if Black Widow will ever be allowed to come back from the dead. But um, Spoilers! <laughs> in the meantime, Simon, what can people do if they want to get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times during when you've been speaking, I've drifted off thinking of Masanobu Fushi. Well, you keep that to yourself. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for all Japan. N for new Japan. You put that gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. Uh, that's my handle used on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd. Uh, you can get in touch with the show. It's lmtyspod at gmail.com. If there are any more matches that we somehow missed in the interim. There was a rings match that's been disputed as to whether it's five stars or not. And if it's worked or not. So that does that count? That came from 1998, but I don't think we could even find it if we wanted to. Rings was the promotion that Akira Maeda uh, created after the UWF failed a second time. Oh, okay, so there's a chance it was a shoot fight. Sort of. It's kind of like Pancrase, where it was eventually worked its way towards becoming shoot, I believe. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Far more knowledgeable people can get in touch with us on those means of communication if they want to. So, like I said, our next episode is going to be Misawa Kabashi. 
and then an episode later than it should be, it'll be our debrief, and then we've got another match that we recorded before we were aware of this with Kabashi against Akiyama. So our apologies in advance if some of the stuff that we say is now being contradicted by facts after the afterwards. Uh, but if you're really going to be that angry, then reprioritize what in life makes you angry. <laughs> but until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star or four-star time. Until the next time. Imaginative ways Start your free trial today Come on in the waters Lovely look You could meet someone you like During the meteor strike It is that easy Lunar service on a Saturday night Dressed up in silver and white With coloured old grey whistle Test lights Take it easy for a little while Come and stay with us Well